1: What's up, Big East Barroom fans? Welcome to week 19 of the Big East Barroom. Thank God the Big East doesn't sleep in March, and we don't sleep till May. Ryan, happy March 22nd to all those who celebrate. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. My version of celebrating March 22nd is having three Big East teams in the Sweet 16, three Big East teams still playing basketball. So that's a hell of a thing to celebrate.
1: Absolutely, I mean it's it's rare that you have three teams playing basketball the coach carousel you know is doing its normal thing but then you have a person transfer in conference and then you have the transfer portal that's going crazy too i don't know if i've ever seen you know college basketball twitter as alive as it is college basketball you know rumors it's um it's been more alive than it was in conference which is amazing
0: yeah the offseason started a little early um so we're gonna try to to give the due to the teams that are still playing while also touching on some of this stuff that
1: everybody's talking about right now. Yeah. So we have three teams still playing in the big East. Um, Creighton who we'll go over some of their path a little bit later, UConn and Xavier Musketeers. Any of them surprise you that they're still playing or does it surprise you that Marquette's not one of the three?
0: Yeah, that's the only surprise.
1: I thought Marquette
0: would be there, but um, very happy for the three teams that are in there. Can't wait to really dig in and, and talk about what they've done to get to there and what the future looks like for them.
1: Absolutely. And so we want a, a little housekeeping. We are going to listen to Paul fans, Butler fans. Um, we love you. Thank you for tuning in all year, but this is probably not the podcast for you um, because we are going to really dive into those Sweet 16 teams, some of the teams that have seen some overhaul, and we'll give a little respect to Marquette and kind of memorialize their season. Um, is there anyone else I'm missing Villanova? We won't really touch on it either,
0: but listen, we're going to cover them all off season. We're going to have players on here to talk about, you know, the coming year and all that stuff. So don't tune out. This just this particular podcast, we're going to focus more on the sweet 16 teams. And then some of these other teams that um, have had major changes. Absolutely.
1: So, right. You want to put two and a half on the clock. And I was thinking we probably start with the golden Eagles because that's the least, um, controversial team to talk about.
0: Okay. That's fair. Uh, Let's do it. The Marquette Golden Eagles, they played two games this past week. The first game was in the round of 64. They played against Vermont. And then they played in the round of 32 against Michigan State. And in the heartbreaker of heartbreakers, Marquette does not advance to the Sweet 16. Michigan
1: State ends up defeating them. Um, What what stood out to you? What do you want to talk about? Brutal draw for Marquette. I mean, we saw the Michigan State. Listen, the Big Ten's overrated. I'm not afraid to say that. The Big Ten kind of stinks. But Here's the thing, Tom Izzo in March, experienced guards against a team that, you know, quite frankly, played one big, you know, has played one tournament game and they got smoked last year. Um, They didn't have the experience. They're going to come back better for it. But I just thought it was a brutal drop as a two seed to see Michigan State in the second round and especially Tom Izzo.
0: Michigan State played really well. Tyson Walker was really good for them. He had 23 points. Um, Marquette didn't play. Really well, to be honest. They only scored sixty points. That's got to be one of their
1: lowest totals of the year. Um, Tyler Kolick. Yeah, I get. I, I mean, I think what's going to happen. And listen, we've we've been lucky enough to get to know uh, TK a little bit. I think what's going to happen is he's not going to say it. You know, the injury affected him, but I think it was clear it did. It he didn't even have the ball in his hand a ton at the end of the game. Um, he was, you know, and I think he knew that. You know, when he was putting the ball in his right hand, he was turning the ball over some more. So, I think the injury definitely affected him. I don't think this was the moment got too big for him because look what he did in the biggest tournament with more fans and arguably more eyeballs on him.
0: No, I agree one
1: hundred percent. I do. I've watched Tyler Kolick all year. I've had that
0: blessing. I don't believe the moment can get to him as a man who lives for the moment. Um, I agree with the injury for those who aren't who don't know in the round of sixty four game against Vermont. Um, something happened with Kolick's thumb. I don't know if we know exactly what happened his right thumb, he went to the locker room, he came back, but uh, he appeared to be favoring it for the next 30 minutes of basketball that he played over the, the course of the weekend. So uh, he didn't. He never looked quite right. He finished that the game against Michigan State with six turnovers and seven points. Um,
1: Just a very un-Tyler-Kolek uh, performance, and that's why I'm saying it's an injury, because he's gone against harder defenses in the Big East, and, you know, even when he's not scoring a lot, you'll see that game where he has 11 assists. Um It just wasn't coming together for him. You know, Marquette's fighting an uphill battle when your best player, just like anyone is when your best player isn't right.
0: Was it a goaltend at the end?
1: No. Oh, yes. Sorry, it was. Ball hit the backboard first. You could see it on slow motion. Um, What I'd love is to have an eye in the sky there, a fourth referee who's off to the side, so we don't have to take the refs off the court. The fourth referee just comes in and says, yep, goaltending. Count the bucket. It's a 30-second review. We don't have to, you know, pause the game much. Follow up question, is that why they lost the game? No. They lost the game because they couldn't score. And Michigan State, listen, we watched we had one eye on that and one eye on the Yukon game. Michigan State shot like shit for most of that game. From three, they shot like two of seventeen or something. Um, Michigan State getting the opportunity. It just wasn't their night. And I'm guessing they'll have a lot of their nights, you know, coming up, especially with no one graduating. Yep, absolutely. I think that's a great point. All right, right. We got three teams to talk about. I'll let you. What order do you want to go from? Do you want to go for the happy ending, the divorce A, the divorcer? Let's go for, you know, kind of the side action going on. The St. John's, Johnny's. Uh, let's put two and a half on the clock. Ryan, did you ever think, and we don't have anything to talk about basketball-wise, did you ever think that Rick Patino being introduced as a St. John's head basketball coach would be the side note, as you just said? Yeah, no,
0: right. It's incredible. I mean, this man is a living legend. He's one of the 10 greatest college basketball coaches to ever coach college basketball. He's going to be the head coach of St. John's, and he, he is not the headline in the Big East right now. Um, but maybe he should be, and maybe long term we'll look back at this and say, you know, there was a lot of drama going
1: on, but this was the, the move that was most consequential to the Big East. And let's give St. John's their credit. They nailed the hiring process. They needed to get rid of Anderson. Some people were worried about the buyout being too much. They needed to bring in Rick Pitino. They brought in Rick Pitino like in the first week before the transfer portal becomes, you know, a major thing that he's going to have to nail. And they nailed all of that. They brought him in. His press conference was great. Said, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. You know, he immediately named Joel Soriano the captain, which what a chess move. Joel Soriano says, I'm transferring after Mike Anderson leaves. And then Rick Pitino says, well, you're the captain. So now you have Soriano back for another year after he was snubbed from the Big East first team, you know, it just, they did St. John's who caught a lot of grief over the last few years, just did everything right. And I'm so excited for Rick Patino. I got a question. Is it fair to talk about, and I've been getting roasted a little bit for this, has Rick Patino lost anything on his fastball? You think?
0: I did watch some Iona basketball in preparation for their matchup against UConn. Um probably. Yeah, I mean he's not the same coach he was 20 years ago, but who the hell could be when you're 70 something? But I'll tell you what, he his fastball's still
1: better than 99% of fastballs out there. I agree, and I think, you know, some of the scandals have been um expunged from his record. Um I think that, you know, his name when he walks into a house will mean something for recruiters, a recruit recruitees, um or whatever. I I just worry he's been recruiting in the MAC. You get a kid who wants to go to Quinnipiac or Marist and then Rick Pitino walks in your house. It's pretty easy to convince them. Now you're convincing against Danny Hurley and Greg McDermott and Ed Cooley. I worry about the recruit, the recruiting process won't be as easy as people are thinking it will be. Yeah. But when's the last time they had a coach who could recruit the New York city area, like Rick
0: Patino? I mean, man's a living legend. Yeah, Alexander. He's a native New Yorker, right? Like Mike Anderson's from Arkansas. He's from somewhere in the South. Rick Petino grew up taking the subway. He knows, you know, these high school, Catholic high schools and all that stuff, like the back of his hand.
1: And he said, you know, coming out, he was like, Mike Anderson is a great guy and a great coach, but, you know, some things just fit in New York. And I think I'm one of them pretty much. Like he said something along those lines. And like everything. Yeah. Major win for the Big East
0: to add Rick Petino to their coaching list. Major win.
1: I'm really excited. I think it's really good for the Big East, like you're saying. And, um, I, I just want to make sure he is Rick Patino and he's all bought in because I think what we saw this season is just because you bring in a living legend, like a Thad Mata, you know, things, things don't come together right away. Like people think they will, but St. John's t- now I'm playing both sides. St. John's has a lot more talent coming back than Butler did.
0: Tyler kind of tempering expectations today. You don't see that every day.
1: Normally I'm just like, Oh my God, Rick Pitino's here. I don't like, if you get the corpse of Rick Patino, that's great. But, um, I got to see who's going to be back. I know we're not going to talk about all transfers, but Pinzone's already transferring. Um, I heard a rumor, and I don't like to give credence to rumors normally, but somebody said that um, a really well-liked St. John's player will not be back this year because of academic standards. Patino said that, I believe. Oh, That's a
0: rumor. Um, Yeah, I'm 100% in on Patino. I think he's going to kill it.
1: Awesome. So now are we talking about the divorcee or the divorcer? (sighs) I think we start with Georgetown. (laughs) Because it's good to be Georgetown. Yeah, it's a great day to be a Georgetown lawyer. Ryan, when have we ever skipped over um, other teams in Georgetown where you decided to, you know, give a full segment to? Because we're so excited to talk about Georgetown. But that is, I
0: think that is the best part of this hire right now is you. we can talk about Ed Cooley and, you know, how great of a coach is he actually and how much of it is hype. At the end of the day, this made them relevant for the first time in a long time. And everybody's talking about them, including Dave Portnoy is blowing up Twitter to talk about the Georgetown
1: Hoyas. And however this works out, they're on the headlines for the first time in a long time. And Providence fans might want to tune out what I'm going to say next. Georgetown, you don't have anything to be sorry for. Listen, it's not your job to keep a marriage together like Providence. It's not your job to go say, well, maybe you guys can make it work. Come back if it doesn't work. Your job is to go win basketball games. That's my opinion. You might feel something differently. Um, but do you I,
0: think that if Georgetown reached out in late February,
1: you have no problem with that. I mean, if I'm a Providence fan, I'm pissed. But no, putting, trying to get the best coach possible. I mean, it, do you have a problem with Jared Bynum told a cook, a cook you should transfer to Providence midseason? Like, I, I don't, I would be like, no, he's trying to win for next year. Yeah, I see your point. I don't I, know. It, it's a major win for Georgetown, however you slice it. And it looks like people are going to stay now. I mean, the main players, uh, Reed and Lee's, but Denver Anglin, Akuka Cook, and Jay Heath were all at the press conference for Ed Cooley today. Um, So, you know, that's some talent that's staying on this team. Well, you know, they have people transferring, but it seems like those are the kind of guys that um, Ed Cooley wants to keep.
0: Here's my biggest question, right? Ed Cooley created the greatest home court advantage, possibly in college basketball, definitely in the Big East at the end. How many extra games did he win because he created that home court advantage? And is he able to recreate it in Washington, D.C.?
1: Is this on the record or off the record? On. We're hit record. Um, Okay, good. Off the record. I personally don't think Providence was that great this year. And I said it at the beginning of the year to you. I think that what they have is they have the amp. So, I yes, that home court advantage, he's not going to have that in the first year, but I can sure as I'll tell you, the first conference game of the year, they're going to be sold out or close to it with Ed Cooley there. I mean, that's that's what he's going to bring in. But my question for you right back is, and this might go into a little bit of Providence, is it going to be harder for him to recruit now that he's got, you know, he was this, we're together, we're together, we're together. And now he's kind of left. He left his high school sweetheart. Let's say that. Like he left his high school sweetheart of 30 years. Um,
0: um, I will say, is will it be harder for him to recruit than Patrick Ewing? Yes. Will it be harder for him to recruit than when he was at Providence? No. Just because the DMV is a high school basketball wonderland. Um, it's one of the most talent rich areas in the country. So compared to, you know, Providence, Rhode Island, you know, Rhode Island gets some good players. Look at Tyler Colick, but the DMV, I mean, we could go on and on just divorce from the DMV. Nate Watson's from the DMV. Um, Jordan Hawkins is from the DMV.
1: You know, it's a long list. I, I am, tem- I'm not going to temper expectations with Georgetown. I expect them to be a middling team next year in the big East, but springboarding towards a, you know, top five, um, in a perennial tournament team. I worry about what Cooley's ceiling is. We've never seen it. I think he took Providence as high as he thought he could take them. Let me say that. I worry about what Ed Cooley can do now that there is no ceiling. Um, will people be disappointed? All
0: right. Well, let's move over to the spurned wife. She who has been left behind the Providence Friars and talk about what their future looks like.
1: Now, Providence fans, thank you for joining us and coming back after that segment. You should be rip-roaring pissed. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, 100%. I don't know if Ed Cooley could have burnt more bridges on the way out of town than he chose to. Um, And if I'm a Providence fan, it's, listen, I know this is hyperbolic. The only thing I can can think to compare to is LeBron James leaving Cleveland the first time where he made such a big deal out of it being his hometown and how loyal he was to his hometown and how much he loved them.
1: And all of a sudden he's on national television. Like I'm going to greener pastures, forget you guys. And, and in and the differences though, it's like if you went to like the Utah jazz, a team that hadn't been relevant for 20, I mean, he's going to a team that's not relevant. And for Providence fans, they've had this, let me say gracefully, this chip on their shoulder, right? Providence fans, You know, we are – we belong here. We belong here. They've been – you know, that's part of their reason for going after UConn fans. We belong here. We're better than you, whatever. To lose Ed Cooley then to a team that won two games in the last two seasons, I don't want to say it's like salt in the wound, but, man, it's a slap in the face from someone you thought would never do that to you.
0: Right. That was the expectation. I mean, they were talking about building statues for him. You know I mean? There was – and I got to eat some crow on this one because I said there was no chance this would happen. And I was dead wrong, obviously. Um,
1: but I think a lot of people in Providence felt that way. And if he goes to Michigan, do you think anyone cares? It hurts. But it makes sense. If he puts up his,
0: his house on Zillow before he announces it, yeah, I think people are still pissed.
1: I It was a absolute brutal look. I think Ed Cooley, I've, I've loved watching Ed Cooley, but I lost... I don't want to say because it's, it's an you know why does he care? But I lost some respect for him and uh, the way he handled it, and I don't love that because you know we really have enjoyed watching him. He's part of the reason we got into this so yeah, much. I agree.
0: I, I but at the end of the day, he's not doing it, you know, so we can sit
1: here and applaud yeah. him. Um, but I, I don't disagree.
0: Kim English is I, like a front runner for Providence. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, George Mason. Um. I believe he coached Tyler Kolek. Nope, Tyler Kolek went to George Washington, huh? No, no, no. He no. missed Tyler Kolick by one year. He is the coach that came in
0: when Tyler Kollek's coach left, and that's why Kollek entered the transfer portal.
1: Gotcha. So they missed each other for a year. George Mason was a little underwhelming at twenty six or 36 and 29 in his tenure. Um, he's one of these guys with NBA experience. Um, I'm guessing he'll be able to recruit well based on that. I have no idea. He's supposed to be a promoter. Um, Providence just had the best promoter in college basketball. So, do you, do you think him having a relationship with Hopkins and Carter meant anything? Uh, geez, I have no clue. I didn't even know he had a relationship
0: with Carter. I had heard of the Hopkins stuff.
1: I just, yeah, I had heard that they thought he was going to get to keep um, those two. I don't know the future of Providence. And I mean, we shouldn't briefly say um, Jared Bynum did enter the transfer portal there all preseason, first team, Big East player. Any thoughts on that? We've really enjoyed watching Biden play.
0: Yeah, love him. Hope he stays in the Big East. Um, This was his COVID year. He had a COVID eligibility decision. So he's in the transfer portal. It still doesn't mean he's going to be back. A lot of people went to the transfer portal and then decided they're going to go try to play overseas or whatever.
1: Um, And it doesn't mean that he's not going to go back to Providence. He could love the Kim English hire and say, I'm just going to recommit to Providence again. Right, like Shimas Lukosius for Thad Matta last year. And it looks like what Denver England's doing too in Georgetown. So, All right. um, so that wraps
0: up kind of the offseason talk. You want to jump into the teams that are still playing?
1: Yeah, uh, first game is tomorrow. So do you want to do the Huskies first if oh, we're going to go Huskies. chronological? We're going to put 10 minutes on the clock. Let's talk some UConn Huskies. UConn played two games over this past week. They beat the Iona Gales, and then they went and beat the St. Mary Gales. Bad time to be a Gale over the last few days. Um, Huskies played two kind of competitive first halves and two of the better second halves they've played this season. Um, Things are trending, and now UConn is a trendy Final Four pick, which, I mean, is great for the Big East. What have you... You know, what has changed from UConn from their struggles in the beginning to the, or the, that middle part of the year over the last, you know, seven weeks? Someone was saying the other day.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I still don't think this team is the same team you saw in the early non con uh, where they were just shooting the lights out and everything was coming early to the uh, easy to them. Um, but this is a team that, that you kind of saw building towards the end of the year that really relied on their rebounding, on their defense, and on Adama Sanova who had 28 points and 13 rebounds in the first game against Iona. He had another 20-point performance against St. Mary's. He's been unguardable. Um, and I think it really speaks to the floor that UConn has. I think
1: they have a high floor. And, you know, when you rely on defensive rebounding, that can show up every day, and it has shown up for them. I I want to first say that personally to see a kid like Adama Sinogo do so well has been I and listen, I get it, Homerism or whatever, but it's been so nice to watch Adama Sinogo play well. He had kind of had the label on him where he shrinks in big games. And for him to play this well in the Marquette semifinal, for him to play this well against Iona and to play this well against St. Mary's, you know, he has been, you know, they if they ended the tournament right now, he'd be all tournament first team. Um, he has been an absolute star, unguardable. One of the things I've loved about him is he is now taking people off the bounce. Um, going to the hole with his left hand and finishing around the rim. Uh, I I just wanted to say that it seems like he's just such a nice kid from everyone we've talked to, um, to watch him be a star has been really um, great. I mean, we have 10 minutes. So I wanted to go into Adama as a person too there. No, absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. And
0: we've heard from people we respect that Adama shrinks in big games and he has sure as hell not shrunk
1: in these big games. So um, good for him. Good for you, Um, Worth noting that Hawkins has played very poorly in both first halves. Do you think that's a big concern, little concern, no concern?
0: I think obviously it's, it's not a big concern for these games because they did just fine. Um, but at some point in the tournament, if they want to make the Final Four, if they want to make a national championship game, they need Jordan Hawkins, and they need a full 40 minutes from Jordan Hawkins. Um, they need him locked in defensively as well. And he needs to show up. He like, he got pulled kind of early in the first half against Iona because, you know, he had a few mistakes on defense and and they pulled him a little early. And then in the second half of both games, he really turned it on and and he hit some tough shots against St. Mary's some step back, you know, defense draped all over him shots.
1: What I've noticed is this team stays competitive at half, but the second he, he even goes a little bit in the second half, it feels like the whole team takes a deep breath and goes, okay, we're fine. Like, and then it takes some pressure off caravan shooting It takes pressure off Calcaterra. Newton's able to get to the hole. Um, this team as much as it revolves around Senegal, also revolves around Hawkins. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How about a little Donovan cleaning talk? He's got 14 rebounds
1: in 24 minutes of play in the tournament. So far, uh, is that good? I I've, and I've told you this a million, or, you know, we've talked about this. I know in your big favor, you've said it a million times. Um, they need to play together, but it's real, and they're not going to do that at this point unless it's an emergency. But it's really hard when Donovan Klingon is so clearly your best defensive player, and Adama Sinogo is clearly your best offensive player, and you haven't been able to figure out how to play them together. And I know that's nitpicking because this team's going to the Sweet 16, favored to go to an Elite Eight, but still, it just feels like it's a little untapped there where you could have just done something insane.
0: Yeah, and listen, they're winning. They just won two games. They're in the Sweet 16. So it's just, you know, neither of us are trying to hammer them right now. But when you if they lose and Donovan Cleaning plays 12 minutes, then all of a sudden you're looking at it like, well, you had one of your best players sitting on a bench for 28 minutes of the game. That's questionable.
1: And we said that against Marquette. He was clearly the difference defensively in that game, and they had to sit him because um, in that Biggie semifinal, and Adama Sinogo played a lot.
0: Yeah, he affects everything. When when Klingon's on the court, he affects literally everything, every shot, every drive that they don't end up taking a shot. You know, even when he's not blocking the ball, he's just affecting things.
1: I'm sorry. So UConn's going to be playing Arkansas tomorrow, or probably today when you're listening or whatever, but Thursday at 7.15. I got some scouting on Arkansas. I got a good buddy who's a weirdly an Arkansas fan. They can't shoot. It's how – how you know and then i looked it up they're like 350th and three-pointers attempted and then like 350th and three-point percentage so they can't shoot and they don't want to shoot um you think that lends itself to what what beats uconn um i think it's a three-point shooting team it's a great question um you have to be good enough
0: on the boards to kind of You don't have to beat UConn on the boards, but you have to negate some of that um, advantage that UConn can really press. And then, yeah, if you can really shoot the ball, stretch out the defense, um, I think that's one recipe to beat them.
1: I just think that when you're playing Arkansas and they're going to be looking to drive most of the game and you have those two guys who are pretty good at rim protecting, that kind of plays into UConn's favor um, that they're not going to – you know, UConn's not going to get dominated inside, and that's what Arkansas wants to do.
0: And Arkansas is a highly athletic team they've got multiple NBA prospects uh, if they want to get out and run the Huskies would love to run with them right uh,
1: but i and do you worry about that that they if they play the Arkansas style of basketball that Arkansas might be able to just do it better
0: i don't know if there's many teams that run better than Andre Jackson Jordan Hawkins you know Adama Sanogo these guys in transition they've been, have been some of their
1: most dangerous moments all season right yeah. And they've been shooting the three well, um, in transition too. That's where has gotten a lot of his looks. And how good is it to see Calcaterra kind of regain that beginning of the year form? Um, I think he's a massive X factor on this team because if he gives you nine points, that's nine points that, you know, you you weren't expecting. No, completely necessary.
0: You needed it. And uh you know, Aline had had some nice minutes in the Big East tournament uh, as well. If you can get those guys off the bench, shooters who knock down some shots, now you're playing with some serious depth. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a dangerous team. What do you think uh, has – have what you've seen so far, does it change your prediction for UConn at all?
1: No, I have not – UConn winning the national championship. I was told I was a homer because I had UConn winning the national championship and Providence going out in the first round. UConn's going to play for an Elite Eight. Providence got knocked out in the first round. Duh. I mean, I, nothing has changed. This team had the potential. Their ceiling was higher than any team in the Big East, in my opinion. And they're proving it.
0: Impressed with Danny Hurley?
1: Yeah. I I think it just proves that March <laughs> um, wins are so – so what? If he lost this first game, it would have been – we would have been talking about a possible replacement eventually. He wins two, and now we're talking about did this guy finally figure it out? Uh I, I really have enjoyed watching Hurley um, get some respect that I thought was a little overdue. All right. Well, that wraps up our Husky talk. Anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I i uh, I think that UConn matches up well against Arkansas. I think Arkansas wants to do what UConn does, um, but UConn's a better shooting team. And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't know if anyone's better than UConn in transition. Uh, and
0: then if they win that game, they play either Gonzaga or UCLA in the Elite Eight. Two West Coast teams, two of the not most physical teams in the country. I think UConn has a has a pretty nice path
1: right now. Uh, Adama Sanogo will guard Drew Timmy. I promise. In the WCC, there is nobody like Adama Sanogo who um physicality wise, and that's not a knock on Drew Timmy. He is a fantastic basketball player. Um, but if he's not scoring thirty, I don't worry about Gonzaga. Yeah, I agree.
0: All right, let's move over to uh, Xavier Musketeers and put some minutes on the clock. So Xavier played two games. Their first game they played against Kennesaw State, which ended up being way too interesting of a game, a more interesting game than the Musketeers wanted it to be. But they pulled that off, and then they played against Pittsburgh
1: and kind of dominated them for 40 minutes. What do you want to talk about first? Uh. Kennesaw State game scared the hell out of me. That was an absolute dogfight for 40 minutes. Kennesaw State probably played better for about 30 of them. Um, But in the end, it was Colby Jones wouldn't let them lose. Um, At certain points, Jerome Hunter wouldn't let them lose. So, you know, and then the pick game, I mean, hang it in the Louvre. I mean, that – the offense that we were seeing um, from Kunkel and some of the alley-oops that he was throwing – and without their best player, best offensive player, going, going. I mean, it has – I'm all on Xavier's going to a Final Four now.
0: Yeah, I mean, not in those first 30 minutes of the Kennesaw State game, right? Um, At times, this is going to be harsh at times, Kennesaw State just looked like they wanted it more than Xavier. Um, They were getting up and down the court at a much higher rate. The defense from Xavier just – I mean, it was just lacking a little bit of – that oomph. And then they turned it on in the last 10 minutes. They make like a 13-point comeback in 10 minutes. Um, everybody chips in, but Jerome Hunter goes for 24 points over the course of the game. His his greatest college basketball game of his career, he saves it for the NCAA tournament. How about them apples? Um,
1: Jerome Hunter fan club, sh- I mean, you, you're hitting the nail on the head too because if Jerome Hunter doesn't play like that in the first half, they lose. Uh, oh. They don't get close enough. It doesn't matter. Oh,
0: he was the only guy who looked
1: like he wanted to be there in
0: the first half.
1: Yeah, It, it looked like a little, you know, st- I don't want to make the wrong move, so I'm going to play slower. And it just it wasn't Xavier. It didn't feel right. It felt like they were afraid to make mistakes. Um, Nunji was kind of getting blown by on, you know, ball screens. And then the second last 10 minutes of the second half happened. And, man, and then Jack Nunji with a block to save the season.
0: Yeah, huge block. Great awareness. Jack Nunji, when he wants to be, is an elite defender. Um, it's just about commitment to guarding. And they made that
1: commitment in the last 10 minutes of the game. Tyler, what did you think about the Kunkel-Boom interaction? I, th- I think that, if, you know, you talk to an athlete right now, they'd probably say it happens more than you like. Um, or that, that admit, I think obviously Boom and Kunkel wish it happened in the locker room where this probably happened way more than we're aware of. Um At the end of the day, we happen to know that Boom and Kunkle were friends before this, at least. So um, I don't worry too much about it. It's not a great look. Uh, If they lost, it would have been a worse look. But at the end of the day, these are college kids um, that really, really wanted to win and saw their season in front of them. And, you know, I'll take it as when you win, it's passion. When you lose, it's uh, dysfunction. I'll take the passion, you know, because they won.
0: No, I agree. hundred percent. They wanted they didn't want to go home. And that's what Miller said. He said, you know, that's two older college kids looking at the potential end of their career and saying, I don't want it to end right now. So did they go about it the right way? No, but their hearts are in the right place. So I, I take was, no issue with it.
1: If this was 1995 and there was one camera that cut out at the right time, we would have never known. Right. You know, I, I've only heard stories about what Jim Calhoun used to do during timeouts to his players. Uh, so again, I think it's just we have more access than normal. So you're going to see that kind of stuff passion though
0: and then I'm moving over to pit game I know you already touched on it um but man talk about just just perfect offense just and, and I have done some you know video clipping and, and uh, deep dives into Xavier's offense you know one thing I want to say Pittsburgh looks looked poorly prepared in that game because Xavier was running some of their most common action Action that we've seen them have to go away from in big East play because it's getting scouted so well. And they were running that really common action and Pittsburgh was didn't look prepared for it at all. And Xavier was getting easy baskets out of it.
1: I agreed, especially you clipped that alley oop that they did against Yukon and they, they ran it so perfectly. Um or was that at the was that at the first game? No, or was that in no. Pittsburgh? Yeah, to Nunji. I've been really impressed, and this game was kind of the culmination. The offense has been running through Kunkel a little bit more. Um, he's kind of been a ball handler, especially because boom has been, it's fair to say a little bit off over the last three. Uh, and he just knocked down every shot. He orchestrated the offense, certainly in certain times. Um, I, you know, this team seems to have so many people that can beat you that they can afford to have off days from other people, their best player where so many teams can't afford that. And, and selfless, right? Boom doesn't force a lot of shots. And we talked about uh, that
0: with him out in the interview. But when he doesn't have it going, they put the ball in Kunkel's hand and let Boom play off the ball, and he can be a shooter and let Kunkel run the pick and roll and make decisions out of it or let Colby Jones run the pick and roll and make decisions out of it. So um, really appreciate
1: that, and I think that's why they're a really dangerous team going forward. And who does X have next? They're playing the two-seed in that region.
0: Texas Longhorns.
1: Tough. Uh, your level of fear going into that game? I'm a Texas doubter.
0: It's a tough game. Listen, you'd say what you want about Texas as a team in terms of team chemistry, in terms of, you know, being able to play as a team, they got dudes. They got a lot of dudes on that team.
1: I, I think I told you my theory on them. Um, At the beginning of the season, they just beat everybody. And I think, you know, you win a lot of games at the beginning of the college basketball season on experience. They have Marcus Carr and Christian Bishop who have combined to play 75 years of college basketball. Um, I don't – and then when they got in a Big 12 play, everybody – listen, everybody beat up on everybody. They didn't stand out from everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, they just kind of – they were one of the other teams in there. They won the Big 12 championship. A lot of Big 12 teams have been eliminated. Uh, I just don't necessarily think they are um, that good, to be honest. I don't
0: know. You don't win the Big 12 – tournament championship without uh without ha- playing pretty well and you have all those guys with all that experience playing well at the right time I'm not counting Xavier out but it's it's I think they have the hardest uh matchup this weekend
1: I, and I think that's fair I think that just might mean that you know UConn's playing an eight seed or, or nine seed that's not playing like an or an eight seed that's not playing like an eight seed um but they're still an eight seed and Creighton's playing a 15 um I do think you're right though when you're saying that Anything you think Xavier needs to do in order to beat Texas? Have two of your players on that night. Uh, If Colby Jones and Jack Nunge are on, or if Colby Jones and um, Kunkler on, I think Colby Jones is the straw that stirs the drink. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do, and you know, especially on a bigger stage, he's not going to be unathletic or out athletic by anyone, um, especially in these games. Listen, Texas has so many players that people should be familiar with uh, that I think that th- there's going to be a lot of book out on them. So there's going to be a lot of scouting um, done by Xavier. It's not a bad point, and Sean Miller is a hell of a scout. So that could really play for
0: them. Um, I to see- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I want to see them defend for 40 minutes. You can't be down 13 points to Texas and expect to come back. you got to come out there and play defense like you want to
1: be there for the entire game. And it's I think on the scouting part, it's uh, important to note that he has a week to scout rather than, you know, when you get two days after the first matchup. So he's going to have something for Texas. I promise you that. All right. And then that just leaves the Creighton
0: Blue Jays. So Creighton won two games this weekend. They beat North Carolina State in the first game. It was kind of a wild game. And then they end up beating Baylor in a pretty big upset in their second game. So what do you want to talk about first?
1: Creighton looks like that team from the beginning of the season. This Baylor game wasn't close. Um, they were clearly the better team. Their offense scored 85 points against a Baylor team. That's bad defensively. I will say that. But Creighton's been criticized for their offense. And boy, oh boy, they were clicking on all cylinders. I tweeted out to see Ryan Nemhard again just to go into the personal stuff to see Ryan Nemhard, who missed all of the tournament last season, be absolutely electric in that game. It, I mean, it just like, he must've been crying last year when that team was, you know, going on that run and he wasn't able to be a part of it and to see him be the main guy this year, it was, you know, that really made me um happy, you know, going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, he picked apart that Baylor defense um, 30 points, he only gets credit for two assists, but that's because there was a lot of hockey assists going on. They did a great job of moving the ball against that Baylor defense. But, you know, just re-watching some of the game and, you know, he was they were just putting him in pick and roll repeatedly and letting him make decisions. And, like, he didn't make a bad decision the whole game. I, I think he had one turnover.
1: And yeah, he had one turnover in 38 minutes. And his other partner in Ryan-ness, Mr. Cockbrenner, I mean, what that kid did uh, to NC State, you know, he kept them alive single-handedly for when their offense didn't necessarily click on all cylinders on uh, Friday. He was, you know, he was really elite at getting to the rim and finishing, especially against their big guy who didn't have as much mobility.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're so good at finding ways to get Kalkbrenner towards the rim. And then Kalkbrenner's just... You know he's one of the best finishers in the country, he shoots one of the highest field goal percentages in the country. He doesn't miss
1: much if you're able to get him the ball near the rim. Um, and he, he was fantastic. How many points did he go for in that game? Do you have that up 31, 31 and 7 in that game? And then Nemhard went for 30 in the second game, yeah. So
0: you had two 30 point performances plus that rock solid defense you can fall back on.
1: If I told you both these games were decided by the same margin, would you believe me? <laughs> No, I thought the NC State game was much closer. Both nine-point wins for Creighton. I, I was on the same page, too. You know, there were a lot of games going on at once. I Side note, sidebar, Big East, stop getting scheduled for four games going on at once for all of our sakes because, man, it was hard to watch all of them at the same time.
0: Yeah, you would think they have more negotiating power than that. Um, Mason Miller, we should touch on. Ankle. Okay. done for the tournament. I believe so. I believe it was a high ankle sprain, which usually means they're out for for a month or two.
1: I want to say, and listen, I'm speaking a little out of uh turn here, but I want to say that somebody said that don't count him out for the rest of the tournament. He was just for sure out um for that game against Baylor. So but Farabello stepped up against Baylor. Farabello had nine points coming off the bench. To be honest, with their five being that good, you probably only need 10 points off your bench on any given day.
0: Yeah. And if you have King backing up clock Brenner at the level, he has King spent such a nice piece as a freshman big. And then you get one guy who's shooting the ball well off the bench to take turns, subbing out their shooters. Yeah. You're probably fine.
1: Yeah. And they didn't get that, you know, uh, what's it called that bench production in the first game. And that's probably why it felt close too, because it was close down coming down the stretch. Um, But they only got two points from Farabello in that game, you know, I think that Farabello makes a pretty big difference on the margins.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that um, it's a little bit of an X factor. All right, so I want to go to what uh, Creighton is playing against Princeton Friday night. So you may be wondering, what does uh, Creighton need to do in order to beat Princeton? Well, I can tell you because Mr. Baylor Shirebin has been nice enough to be chatting with me. So I asked him for you guys. Here's what I asked him. You guys play Princeton Friday night in the Sweet 16. What is one one thing Creighton must do in order to advance? And here's Mr. Shireman's response. Defensively, we can't relax. Their offense is crisp, and they know what they are looking to score on and will be patient to get the shot they want. So we got to be ready to guard long possessions and then rebound. What stands out to you there,
1: Ty? I mean, I think Princeton has been the darlings of this tournament. They're going to come out, and, yeah, their offense, they hit a lot of threes against um, Missouri in their last game. Don't get down big early, but he's right. You got to block in defensively. Ignore the seed that's next to him. Come out, smack them, you know, like they were supposed to get smacked in that first round, and, you know, hopefully you're going to the Elite Eight. But I think Shireman, you know, and McDermott, I'm guessing that this is mostly coming from McDermott, too, Locking in defensively is the most important thing. That's their bread and butter. That's what they're best at. Um, I really think that he's smart. You know, McDermott's smart to buy into that culture.
0: Yeah, I think you said that perfectly. Um, Don't take it lightly. Don't look past them. And, um, you know, apparently I don't have the Princeton scout. Shireman does. He says Princeton doesn't rush to take shots. So you play full 30 seconds of defense. You know, you don't give them anything easy at the end of the shot clock.
1: How are we doing on time for this? Because I have something breaking that just happened.
0: We've got two minutes. Go ahead.
1: Um, I don't want to give credence to rumblings that normally happen. You had heard the McDermott um, Notre Dame rumblings. Yep. Micah Shrewsbury just hired as their head coach.
0: You know, I saw that coming because Seth Lundy um, had just uh, announced he wasn't coming back. So I think
1: Shrewsbury told his players first. Is that the way you're supposed to do it? Yes. Yeah. Asking oh. for asking for a friend.
0: Is there anybody in the Big East who wouldn't do that? Can you imagine?
1: Anyway, so I think I don't think Princeton's ever seen a person like Ryan Cochbrenner in their life. Um, it, expose that mismatch repeatedly. They'll have a double ready for him. Um, especially on the post, shoot or shoot. Shireman and Nemhard need to be knocking down their threes. Um, Kaluma should be able to be more athletic than most of the players on the floor. Over under two and a half lob dunks to Ryan Cochbrenner. Over they're they're gonna be able to throw the ball over Princeton Princeton. Can't isn't that tall of a team. They're um you know, they lack some athleticism, but I'm I'm scared uh if they get going from three, what they did to the Missouri was no joke. Yeah, if you don't play defense on Princeton, they can
0: they can offensively keep up with whatever you're doing. So Sherman's right, they have the physicality. I know it's a hot take. Baylor Sherman knows what he's talking about. <laughs> But you know Creighton has the physicality to shut down these Princeton guards,
1: but they they have to be locked in and they have to bring it for a full forty minutes. And we'll And hopefully, not that it was a distraction, but we saw how head coach rumors could be a distraction. This happening right now for Notre Dame could be a perfect thing for Creighton to say, "Well, you know, we don't we're not going to let it distract distract us at all."
0: And I hope McDermott's not going anywhere. He's one of the best coaches in the Big East. He's. I don't know, kind of now the Dean because Ed Cooley has changed positions. So you can argue McDermott, you know, has by far the longest tenure in his current position. So. Um,
1: he, he's taking on that Jay Wright role a little bit um, of where he is, you know, welcoming people and um, you know, kind of being that, you know, the guy, the Godfather almost. Yeah. Great
0: guy. Hope he stays in the Big East for the rest of his career for sure.
1: All right. So those are the three sweet 16 teams with a little bit of head coach talk a little bit of extra. I don't know if we could have had a more exciting week 19 of the Big East. Yeah, I mean, this is as good as it gets. Do we have a mailbag for today? Yeah, let's, you know, we have a few minutes. Let's do it. Um, we had some people submit their mailbag in the over the last, um, you know, hour or so. So, Ryan, I'm going to start with JDB3423. More, less, or same number of Big East teams in the NCAA tournament next year? Give me more. I think six get in. The ceiling should be higher now. You should be ha- – if Providence is able to retain Carter and Hopkins, they're a tournament team. UConn's bringing in the best – one of the best freshman class in basketball. They're a tournament team. Creighton's bringing back pretty much their whole five, hopefully. That's a tournament team. Marquette's a tournament team. Um, Rick Patino. Rick Patino's at St. John's. I trust Sean Miller to maybe figure something out too. Like, yeah. I I mean, I would say six or seven.
0: The conference really strong right now. I don't see us taking a stake of the step back. I think we
1: get six teams in. And if Eric Dixon comes back to Villanova, put them in the tournament too. Um Bobby G, Bobby burner says Shaka Smart has one tournament win in the last ten years. Cooley has three in the last twelve. Are these coaches overrated or is winning a march overrated? Winning a march is hard. And people
0: underestimate constantly how hard it is. Um I'm not going to speak too much on Shaka Smart, his career at Texas. But it's really hard to be disappointed with what he did this year. So, you know, I don't think that losing in the round of 32 erases everything he did. Um, In terms of Cooley, and you have a lot more of a track record there and three wins in 12 years at Providence.
1: I see the argument. I think people are looking for the um, Ed Cooley is overrated because he is a spurn them. It's like how you say, I didn't really love my girlfriend that much after you found out she was cheating on you. Um, nobody was talking about Ed Cooley being overrated before this other than UConn fans. Um, I I want to one up you. I think um, winning in March, not one up you, but say something stronger. Winning in March is a crapshoot. Um, I think that, you know, success in the regular season is much more indicative of coaching. Um, I think that when you get to March, there is a reason that Jim Beheim, who you regard as a high coach, has only won one um, tournament in 47 years. Um, there's a reason why Mike Shashevsky in 48 years only won five tournaments, and he's considered the greatest of all time. It's a crapshoot. It's hard to win. You're not going to do it every single season. You're not going to do it in back-to-back seasons. Um, that being and it, said... And he doesn't necessarily reward the best
0: team or the best coach team.
1: And it's not fair to say Shaka Smart and Ed Cooley didn't have success in March. We put a lot of emphasis on the Big East tournament. Shaka Smart went and won the Big East tournament. Right. Ed Cooley went and won two Big East tournaments in his 12 years. That, I, that means something in our conference. It's playoff basketball. At Madison Square
0: Garden on a Friday night, don't tell me that's not playoff basketball.
1: I completely agree. Uh, what is the ceiling for St. John's? This is T.A., who's our guy. Why is it this? Why is it the sky? And at what point the St. John fans get sick of all this winning? Answer the sky because he's a-
0: <laughs> never.
1: Ah, uh, TA. He's a funny guy.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, this, the, the ceiling for next year is second weekend NCAA tournament team with the transfer portal, with a living legend as your coach, and with some serious foundation to talent to build on. I don't see any reason why he can't get them into the NCAA tournament and into the Sweet 16 next year. Now it's not a failure if he doesn't. But
1: oh, ceiling, yeah, Alexander. If you bring back Alexander Store and Soriano with Patino, and you bring in Clayton, who that's the big rumor from Iona, yep. yeah, G- give me Z- or give me St. John's as a second weekend team. Yep, I agree. Um, you, there's a few more that I want to quickly go on. Yuli, does Ed Cooley deserve the Hades getting? I think this is a great question. Yes. I'm on the record. I say yes. I think he handled it poorly. I I don't think he could have handled it worse. Um, He clearly was negotiating in season. It clearly um, affected the play on the floor. He didn't tell the, you know, that's where I get a little bit. What was he supposed to say? Yes, I'm leaving before a tournament game. He couldn't really say anything else other than I don't know what you're talking about. But man, it just looks like, you know, he, and some of the specials that are airing on TV where he said, I want to be here forever. Um, this is Friar's family forever. I I don't want to be strong here, but it looks like a load of bullshit. <laughs> um, are the numbers with FS1 concerning or not? Will it improve when the larger market teams win? Yes, it's concerning. Will it improve?
0: Yes. But that doesn't really answer the full question because, you know, the Big East is made up of some teams that aren't larger market. So, you know, we're all tied together in this at the end of the day. So is it concerning? Yes. Do I think that we all need to do a better job promoting the brand? Yes. That's why we're here.
1: That's a great answer. I also don't know how television numbers work, but everybody was pretty much saying that the blowout contributed to this being um, a down year. I thought if you just kind of turned it on, you were good. But, you know, what about the guy who was coming in 10 minutes late? And then they were like, I don't want to watch it anymore because it's a (laughs) Twenty point game,
0: and then a counterpoint is the NCAA tournament was up like two and a half percent this year. So there's still interesting in college basketball. Big East did not deliver the way they wanted to this year, but you know you get another sh- crack at it next year.
1: Are you talking ratings wise or yeah ratings? Oh yeah, because they definitely contributed teams wise. Oh, 100%. I'm not. I also I don't want to go too much into TV metrics, but quickly, why did the DePaul Creighton game do so well, Ryan? Leadin, lead leadins matter. Um. That means having a game on before that people are interested in um, for if there were, this was a standalone game. I would have liked to see it do more, but if you weren't watching for Xavier or Marquette, you weren't watching this game. I agree. Uh, two more top four coaches in the league. No cheating. It's only got a bit before I wouldn't normally do this, but I want to hear yours. Oh, this is tough. Right on the, um...
0: I go smart in Miller for sure. Give me McDermott.
1: Oh, no. Now we got Patino. Give me give me McDermott and Patino. I'm taking out Patino, and I'm putting Hurley, in. I don't trust Patino right now the same way he's got to prove it to me in the Big East at 70 years old.
0: I, Rick Padino doesn't have to prove anything anymore. <laughs>
1: um, he
0: deserves the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion.
1: Um, last one. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the new hires. I think the moves are fine and dandy, but there are real scenarios where this doesn't go as planned. Um, this I'm going to go off of what Big East Golden, Oil, Golden Eagle said here. How much leash do Patino and Cooley get?
0: A long one. They're both the dream hires for the school. And you're probably looking at a minimum of four years each. And it has to be pretty bad for the, them to move on after those four years. Like Patrick Ewing bad? Yeah, I mean, not that bad because Patrick Ewing is a Georgetown legend, um, which complicated the whole thing, as we know, because we had to go through that, all of us together. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, pretty
1: bad. I I agree. I, I think that St. John's isn't moving on from Patino um, anytime soon. And the only one I could see getting hairy is, you know, if, if Ed Cooley underperforms and they're like, we had to go through all this to get you, and now you're underperforming, You know, we got to see how he recruits in the DMV area.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. If Kim English ends up being a Providence coach, which everything points to him, we haven't had the official announcement, he'll have the shortest leash because he's proven the least in his career.
1: But he also comes in with being the most sympathetic figure where people are going to just back him because he is a new Providence head coach.
0: Yeah, that's nice. But if he, if he's terrible after two years, you have people saying, you know, he was a desperation hire. Let's do a full, you know, search, all that kind
1: of stuff. I, I agree with you. I just think that people right now are so anxious to jump on the, we love Kim English. We love Kim English because he's, you know, he's not Ed Cooley and he's not a cheater and he's not a liar. Um, that I, think, oh, I love
0: that. I love that for Providence fans. That's exactly what you should be doing. Um, but I'm just saying if you have two bad years, you're not going to have people doing the same
1: thing. Yeah. They have a chip on their shoulder for sure. And maybe this is what they, <laughs> this keeps the chip square on their shoulder. That's for sure. For sure. All right, Big East fans. Thank you so much for tuning in for 19 weeks of the Big East bar Room. We sure hope we can record again next week and talk about three final four Big East teams. That is the hope and prayer, but um you'll be hearing from us again soon anyway ryan is this it or are we going to be back on next week with three teams well we'll be back one way or another don't worry about us we'll be back we're going to do the off season with you guys we're
0: so grateful that you've been here with us so we're going to get a little creative in the off season keep things interesting it's a long college basketball off season uh, but stick around and we got more to come
1: all right thanks as always for pulling up a stool